And, uh, you know, I think that we're, you know, people are pretty aware of the importance of uh, physical health. And, uh, you know, when you're not feeling well, you know that you need, you know, you need healing or you need rest or you need recovery. And uh, I think we're pretty, pretty uh, good at recognizing the need for physical health. But um, I think that we can be a little bit slower to recognize the need for mental health. And uh, I do think that's changing. Uh, you know, mental health is not something that the world just created. It's all throughout Scripture. Uh, we see that Jesus brought a redemption uh, to our minds, and uh, God has healing for our minds. You know, the greatest healing that I personally needed in my life was here. You know, even more than I needed physical healing too, but I needed healing here, man, because this world messed me up. And, uh, you know, we've all been through a, a season where I think that people... Um, have had challenges in their minds, the way they think, the way they feel. Um, I think that our, our world um, is currently experiencing that on a large scale. I think that um, I think social media is great. I mean, I think it's a wonderful thing. Most A lot of us are here because of social media. We have a lot of people that watch online, and it's a beautiful thing, but it's a two-edged sword, and I think that it can also be an attack against your mental well-being because it can cause you to isolate yourself it can cause you to compare yourself with other people, and it can also fuel anger and offense and all of those other things as well. Um, I don't think it's evil or good. I just think it's a tool. Good people will use it for good things. People that are maybe not so good won't use it for good things. How many of you know television is the same way? You know, when television first came out, the church thought television was, was evil, and then all the enemy got his stuff on the television, and then we had to ke play catch-up. Um, you know, and, and, you know, get, you know, like people like Oral Roberts get on television and start kind of taking ground back. And it's not really like that today, but, um, you know, um, you know, television, there's all kinds of Christian television now. But uh, my, my point is, is that these tools are powerful, but they can be powerful for good or they can be powerful for evil. And I do think that the enemy's really kind of unleashed an onslaught against people in their thought processes and their mental health. And so how many of y'all want a good, healthy, strong mind? Amen, because it's really going to impact the world that you live in. Certainly, your, your physical body is going to impact your experience in the world, but your mental does too. And um, I think that, um, it, it, that, that I know that the Lord has brought a redemption for our minds. And so Matthew 26, and we're going to continue. This is part two of, uh, of this series. We, we'll, we'll see how far we, we get along in this thing, but um, we do need good, healthy, strong minds. I mean, you know, you've not been given a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. Can I get an Amen. Power in a sound mind. Matthew 26 and verse 36, we see Jesus before the cross happens and he gets um, experiences spiritual and physical attack. Um, he actually experiences a pretty extreme mental attack before the cross happens. And uh, this is a part of the redemption that he's given to us. And, you know, to redeem something means to pay the price for it. And um, what, what happened was, how many know Jesus paid the price for your sins? Can I get an amen? We're, we're, we're a little bit more aware of that. How many know Jesus also paid the price for your physical healing? The Bible says that by his stripes we were healed, right? Um, Jesus, um, he paid the price for those things. You know, he endured uh, rejection we, so that we get to enjoy acceptance. You know, on the cross it was this great exchange. But there's another aspect of it. Um, I think Jesus uh, drew blood, drew, blood was drawn on Jesus, I think, seven specific times in different ways. And uh, one of those ways was the crown of thorns. 
and uh, they put a crown of thorns on him. And, you know, none of these things are by accident. None of these things are casual. All these things have purpose behind it. Every single uh, drop of blood that Jesus spilled, there's purpose behind it. And, and what, what he was actually thinking about was you. He was thinking about you. He was thinking about your redemption. He was thinking about your healing. And so when that crown of thorns was shoved over his head, it represented um, his mind. And the first thing the enemy attacked was his mind. He attacked his mind before he attacked his body. How many know the enemy's got to get into your thoughts before he can bring something into your life? He's got to hit your thoughts first. You know, how many know someone doesn't just wake up one day and decide to kill somebody? How many know that that, that process has been going on in their mind for a long time? Somebody just doesn't wake up one day and, you know, decide to, to, to embezzle money or steal a bunch of money. They've been thinking about it for a long time. And so, the, and, and so Jesus' redemption in the Garden of Gethsemane is kind of showing us how things operate. The enemy attacked his mind first. And let's take a look at it. Uh, Matthew 26 and verse 36, it says, Then Jesus came with him to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful, and deeply distressed. And then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. So, so we, we see here Jesus being attacked mentally. Now, if, if, you'll, if you'll notice, you know, the way Jesus carried himself day in and day out, the Bible says that um, the joy of the Lord is your strength, and he was anointed with the oil of gladness above his fellows, according to the book of Hebrews. So what that means to me is if joy is strength, and Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness above his fellows, it meant that Jesus was the most joyful guy in the room all the time. Contrary to a lot of religious scenery, Jesus was happy. And he was joyful. Why? Because it takes strength to do what Jesus did. Amen? He was joyful. And um, not, not saying that every day that he had was joyful. Not saying he didn't have tremendous challenges in his earthly walk. But uh, I know this, he maintained peace and he maintained joy because he stayed in the Spirit. And um, now, of course, he was a man of sorrows on the cross. On the cross, he laid all of that strength down and he took all of the stuff that we um, deal with so that we don't have to deal with that stuff and we can enjoy the peace. I mean, he's given us his peace. Can I get an amen? He's given us his joy, right? We need that peace. We need that joy. We need that strength. But at this time, Jesus' countenance changes, and he starts getting attacked right here in his soul, right here in his mind. And if you look at that word for sorrowful, it's the word perilipsos, um, and it means all-encompassing sorrow, all around, engulfed in sorrow. Now, how I many know that's what mental, when, you, when you're not feeling well mentally and when you know, mental health is being challenged, how I many of you know, can feel like you're surrounded? I think that's probably one of the most accurate descriptions of a, of a mental attack because, you know, it's not just you're dealing with a little fiery dart. Your entire perception, you seem, you've ever been surrounded by sorrow? Surrounded by hopelessness? You know what I'm saying? Surrounded by depression? Surrounded by it. What is it trying to do? Whatever way you turn, see, the challenge with with your mind is this. How I many you know if 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 my if I've injured my pinky on my right hand, you know, I can still use my left hand and I can still use other stuff, right? But if my mind is injured, everything I see is injured. Are y'all tracking me here? 
Like, you know, if you, you know, someone sprains an ankle or something like that, you can, still, you can still get along. But when your mind is hurting, everything you see is changed. And so, and that's why this, the, the literal definition of this word in the Greek means to be all-encompassed or surrounded. And there have been a lot of people who have been surrounded by depression, surrounded by sorrow in this season. You know, I think, once again, you know, people have focused a lot on the physical aspects of the pandemic but, and kind of ignored the mental aspects. Well, the rate of suicide among teens has skyrocketed. Skyrocketed. In the little tiny town that I live in, Versailles, I can't tell you how many young people have taken their lives. And, 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 and that makes me so angry at the enemy, because, not, not at all the stuff, but just at the devil himself, because what's happened is this young person who has this bright, beautiful future ahead of them, they've been surrounded by a lie. And because there hasn't been light to penetrate that, whether in their family or in their own lives personally, that lie consumed them and took their lives. And how many know that we here sitting in this church today, we have the light to set these young people free and people free just throughout the world. What is the light? The light is Jesus. The light is that he loves you and he's got a plan and a future for your life. And he took care of all your sin 2,000 years ago on the cross. And God's heart towards you is to rescue you and to save you and to give you purpose and to give you a reason to live. Can I get an amen? Yes. But the enemy tries to engulf people and surround people in lies and in delusion for the purpose of, of destroying, destroying their life. And so uh, this is what Jesus was dealing with. Now, he dealt with it so that we don't have to. Every aspect of redemption is Jesus said, I'll pay for that. You don't have to pay for that. Now, it does not mean you won't have to take a stand and fight. How many of you know it's a fight of faith? It's believing, right? That's, that's there, you know, grace does not remove the reality of the fight of faith. What grace lets you understand is this. You're not fighting against God. God's for you. You are forgiven and you are blessed in Christ Jesus. You're not trying to get forgiven. If you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're operating in a place of eternal forgiveness. You're not trying to get forgiven. You're not even trying to get blessed. You are blessed. Okay, get an amen. You're not trying to get blessed. You don't have to chase the blessing. If you got Jesus, you got it all. You don't need anything else. Amen? Now, you need to feed and you need to uh, you know, be ministered to and prayed for and all that type of stuff, but you are blessed. And so grace, what it does is, is it, it brings to reality that the cross is the success. God is not mad. God's not against you. God's on your team. Can I get an amen? But it does not mean that you're going to float through life without challenges. It does not mean that you're not going to have a fight of faith. It does not mean that the enemy is not going to try to surround you with sorrow. Doesn't mean he's not, there's not going to be battles like this, you know? And, and, and a part of the reason why I'm preaching this is here recently, depression tried to come into my life again. You know, uh, I, I used to be, you know, I used to, before I was saved, I was, you know, I was, you know, big, like manic depressive, you know, clinically depressed on all these uh, types of, you know, Paxil and Zoloft and, you know, and all, of, and, and not disregarding anyone that is taking medication. I'm not against medication at all, but I struggled with depression big time. And then I got saved. And then, and then I struggled with depression as a Christian. Amen. But, but I found out I was the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I found out that God loved me, and I found out that I was a new creation in Christ. And through understanding those truths, I be, by the grace of God, 
beat depression completely out of my life and totally forgotten that I was ever depressed. God had to remind me that I was depressed so I could share my testimony. I was always sharing my testimony about drug addiction and alcoholism and all that stuff, but really the greatest fight I ever had was against depression. And God had to remind me because that's how far removed I was from it. Can I get an amen? amen. Praise God, right? <coughs> but the enemy over that period of isolation during COVID and just not being able to be around anybody and, and all of these things. And, and how many you know that sometimes when you're getting attacked physically, the enemy is also trying to hit you mentally? How many of the devil don't play fair? No. Not at all, right? <clears throat> and so it tried to come back on me. That depression did. But what's awesome is I know the truths that set me free. And so, and God, God you know, spoke to my heart and was like, look, you're going to have to go at this. And, and the picture that I got was David and Goliath. How many know David didn't wait for Goliath to come to him? He ran after it. And that's what God ministered to me. He was like, you're going to have to aggressively chase this out of your mind. And I was like, okay. And so I got out my, my scriptures on righteousness. I began to pray in the spirit. I began to battle the fight of faith to enter into a place of rest. And I kicked that thing straight out of my house. Amen? It's no longer there. It's gone, right? And so... Um, by the grace of God, it wasn't my strength that did it, but the Lord gave me the weapons to use. Amen? The weapon is your mouth. Amen? Gotta, you got to speak, man. You cannot stay silent when you're engulfed in darkness. You've got to run your mouth. You've got to use the sword of the Spirit. There's a reason. I mean, a sword is an offensive weapon. It's offense. It's a go get him, cut his head off type scenario, right? And so, um, and so you know, I experienced that, fought my way back out of it, and, and, and what I was realizing, and you know, ministering to young people and ministering to teenagers and stuff like that, and a lot of people are dealing with this, and we need to talk about it, and we need to take a look at how to overcome it, because how I many you know truth brings freedom? Can I get an amen? Truth brings freedom. And so when you have truth, darkness can't hold you down, right? Now, your feelings will be up and down. And that's just a part of the human experience. How I many you know sometimes you feel great and sometimes you don't? How I many you know sometimes you feel saved and sometimes you don't? <laughs> right? Your feelings are not good indicators of reality. Scripture is your indicator for reality. Like you may feel wonderful right now in the house of God, in the presence of the Lord, but then Monday may roll around and you may be in traffic and angry, you know, because you're in traffic or whatever, something's going on, and your feelings may be crazy. But how many you know truth is real even when it doesn't feel real? That's an important thing to settle in your mind. You can't allow your feelings to be the navigator of your life. You have to allow the truth of Scripture and the Spirit of God to be the navigator of your life because there's going to be times when you're going to have to press through the way you feel. Can I get an amen? And so what we looked at, and just a little bit in review, and uh, I'll read you these scriptures. You don't really have to turn here. But 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning this fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. And then 1 Peter 5.9 says, Resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brethren, your brotherhood in the world. What does that mean? This is important. You're not alone. And you're what you're going through. That is, you, that is one of the most important things for you to realize. Because if the enemy can make you feel like this is just happening to you, yeah. see, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. There's something wrong with you. You know, when we were um, at, our, at our house on Wednesday, we had people kind of sharing their experience and what they were going through. 
and you know what they had went through during the pandemic and the different challenges <clears throat> and as people open up their hearts and start sharing what they're going through people start to realize it's not just me how I mean, you know when you find out it's not just you that's half the battle because the enemy always tries to isolate and say see you're going through a strange fiery trial you're going through something weird no one else is going through what you're going through it's not it, it, how I many you know that it's so important to understand that you're not alone these are challenging times. But how many know that our God has given us a way to overcome? Amen? And, and, and the primary way is through Jesus. But how many know the next thing is each other? Yeah. Talking to each other. Open up about each other. Doing life with each other. You know, walking through things. Sharing your weakness. Taking your strength and helping somebody else's weakness out. Amen? And so the number one thing is this, is you're not alone. That's important to understand when you're, when you're dealing with, with mental health stuff. Talk to somebody. Find somebody that you can trust. Can I get an amen? Feel free to talk to somebody. Call somebody. Text somebody. Don't stay alone. That's the key. Because the next thing the enemy tries to do, and we're kind of right there in that same vein, is he tries to isolate you. He tries to remove you away from everybody. How I many know that's how a predator invades the flock? He doesn't attack the flock head on. He always tries to separate someone from the flock to get them alone. Because how I many of oh, your strength is in the fellowship of other believers? Can I get an amen? When we live in a time where we have the ability to isolate ourselves more than we ever have. I mean, we can have our food delivered to us. We can just, you know, watch YouTube or watch TV and, you know, every, we can, we can, we've got to the place where we can isolate so much. It's not healthy for us to do that. We, we absolutely have to fight against the pressure to isolate and be a part <clears throat> and fellowship and be around other people. Amen. You need other believers. Amen. So number one, don't think it's strange, the fiery trial, which is to try you. It's not just you. Other people are dealing with this. Number two, don't isolate yourself. Now, when you're going through a mental health challenge, you don't want to be around anybody. You don't. When I went through all that, that I had went through, you know, and I finally got out of quarantine, I went to uh, Ethan's last home soccer game. And my, my soul had been rocked by the enemy. And so I walked in there, and, you know, how many know when you're dealing with mental illness or, or depression or anxiety, how many don't have any confidence? Like, you just don't. And I walked in there, I didn't have any confidence. And I'm usually a confident person by the grace of God. But I didn't have any confidence. Why? Because the enemy was attacking me. And I felt isolated. So you know what? I didn't sit with anybody. I sat by myself, away from everybody. And then, not only that, you got this whole, you know, COVID, COVID. You know, nobody, everyone's scared to talk to you or fist bump you or shake hands. It's like the modern day leprosy. You know what I'm saying? It's just crazy. But um, and so you're dealing with that, and plus you don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. You know that you've quarantined, you know, and all that, but you, you know, you want to respect people. So, but I sat alone, and I really had, a, I couldn't fellowship with anybody. These are people I joke around with all the time, laugh with all the time. We go to these games all the time, but I felt totally alone and isolated. I actually wanted to leave. I was like, I don't even want to be here, and I usually love to go. And I didn't want to be there. Why? Because mentally, I was wounded. It was hurting, right? And so eventually, we got out of there. And, um, you know, I got out of there because Stacey and the kids couldn't come and all that. And, you know, I supported Ethan in his game. But I knew 
there's, I'm, I'm hurting. I may not be injured in my leg or my arm or something physical, but right here I'm still wounded. And I still had to fight to get out of that place. Amen? And, um, and, and sometimes a part of the fight is making yourself be a part of fellowship. Making yourself be around other people. Making yourself do what you don't feel like doing. How many of your flesh don't want to do what's right? Your flesh wants the easy path. But I knew after that, and I came home and I told Stacy, I was like, I don't know what's going on with me, but I feel weird. Like, I haven't felt like that since I was a teenager. Felt that, like, isolated. And, um, and so, but stood against it, fought against it, and, you know, feel totally better now. But there was a season where my mind needed to heal from the pressure that was coming against me. Y'all tracking me here? And one of the things you cannot do is isolate yourself. You've got to make sure that you stay in fellowship and, 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 and come together with other people and other believers. It's extremely important. Now, let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I'm going to share a truth with you that probably most of you already know, but some of you may not know. And if you don't know, then we need to know it so that we can all be on the same page. And I've already alluded to it a couple times when I was talking but uh, this, this, this understanding of spirit, soul, and body is one of the, really the, the, the primary ways that you're going to understand uh, who you are, who God is. Um, it, it's a very important teaching, um, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but we're going to talk about it real quick and just touch on it so that we can kind of move forward talking about the soul. Grant Fraley does an excellent teaching on this. Uh, Andrew Womack has a great book on this. Um, but it, it, it's important to understand you're a three-part being, your spirit, soul, and body, okay? God is a triune being. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you need to understand that because um, redemption comes immediately to your spirit when you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. I was a drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, crazy person. When I called upon the name of the Lord, I was spiritually dead. I became spiritually alive when I received Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so redemption immediately hit my spirit. My spirit was made righteous and perfect. How I many you know, uh, you know you're... You, you can't get any more of Jesus than what you have. Can I get an amen? Like you're righteous and holy and perfect in your spirit, but how many of your mind is still experiencing redemption? And that's a part of the reason that we're actually in church. We actually come to church so that our mind could be washed with the water of the word because we still got, we still don't have all truth. How many of you know there's still some things that we see about God that might not be accurate? How many of you know there's still some things that we see about ourselves that might not be accurate? And we got to wash those lies out. And that's where the washing of the water of the Word comes, and that's where redemption comes to your mind. Amen? Um, and then, of course, when your mind experiences redemption, then your body's going to experience redemption. How many know when I think right, I'm going to act right? How many know that I, I want my hands to be weapons of righteousness, not weapons of wickedness? I want my feet to be weapons of righteousness, not weapons of wickedness. And until my mind, my spirit always wants to do what's right. Because it's one with the Lord. But my soul, my mind, my will, and emotions doesn't always want to do what's right. And my flesh never wants to do what's right. And so the battlefield is the mind. When my mind makes a decision to side with my spirit and the truth of Scripture, my body is going to walk and talk and act like a child of God. When, when I give over to the carnal mind, then what's going to happen is I'm going to do dumb stuff even, even as a Christian. Like, eat all the cookies in the house. Can I get an old me? Hallelujah. We, we had church last week talking about me eating all the cookies, didn't we? We, we spent 15 minutes laughing about that. It was, 
Fantastic. And I've continued to eat all the cookies in the house. So there's, redemption is still working in through Jeremiah. So amen. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, 23. I make sure my family has plenty of sweets. Amen. I just make sure that I do too. First uh, Thessalonians 5, verse 23. Um, it says, uh, <laughs> I was thinking about your peanut butter pie. And there's like two pieces left, and I, and I was just like, <laughs> Oh, Lord. All right, I'm sorry. Praise God. My wife had a piece of peanut butter pie. I was a good boy. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. It says, Now may the God of peace sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it gives us three different, three, your whole spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit's one with the Lord. Your soul is your mind. Okay, This is your thinker, your feeler, and your chooser. Right? And then your body, of course, is your physical body, and uh, this is what houses all of this. This body is what gives you permission to operate in the earth. Um, I mean, you know, demons don't have permission to operate in the earth. They have to use somebody's physical body to get something done. Um, the, and really, it's the same in the kingdom. Uh, God is sovereign over all, but God has chosen to, to, to work through man, and that's why we pray. That's why God sent himself... Uh, uh, in a physical body through Jesus Christ. Amen. This entire earth operates through that kind of physical realm. Now, this body, your body is eventually going to be redeemed. Can I get an amen for a redeemed body? This sucker don't get, the new body don't get tired. It don't get old. Amen. There's no sickness, no disease. We have that same redemptive body that Jesus had. Jesus could walk through walls and eat fish at the same time with no problem, right? Thank you, Jesus. That thing's coming. But until then, until the, and that's the last thing that's going to be redeemed. But while we're down here, your soul is a part of your redemption. Now turn to 3 John chapter 1, please. And so I want you to understand that that word soul is talking about your mind, talking about your feelings, your emotions, and your thoughts. And uh, we, we have to understand that if we're going to move forward in Scripture, because so many Scriptures talk about the soul of man. And uh, people think that, you know, the soul and the spirit are the same thing, and they're not. Clearly in this scripture, it said spirit, soul, and body. Then if you look at Hebrews chapter 12, it says that the word of God is the only thing to divide between soul and spirit, showing you that they're actually two different things. If you want your mind to line up, read some scripture. Scripture will, will, make, will, 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 will show you what's of the spirit and what's of this world. And uh, it'll, it'll wash you. It, it, it's, just, it's an amazing thing. It's, absolutely, it's so powerful. The Word of God is so powerful. It's the most important thing you could ever read or take in. 3 John chapter 1 and verse 2 makes this very interesting statement. Uh, this is towards the end of John, the Apostle John's life. And, and he opens up his letter with this powerful statement that he wants for the people that he loves, the people that he's ministering to. He said, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And so, you know, um, John's saying, man, I want you guys to be blessed. I want you guys to, you know, be blessed physically. I want you guys to be blessed in the health of your bodies. Uh, but you're going to be, you're going to experience blessing to the degree that your soul prospers. Amen. You know, when I first got saved, you know, I was born again radically, but I still thought like a drug addict. I still thought like a, a, a crazy person. And so, even though heaven had been placed in me, I wasn't experiencing a lot of heaven because I still thought like hell. And I had to run hell out of my head through the Word of God and through Scripture. I had to renew my mind to the truths of God's Word. And that's why it's so important 
to come to church. That's why it's so important to hear scriptures. That's why it's so important to have a daily devotional, to have your own relationship with God, because your mind, like your car, needs regular servicing. You need oil change in your mind on a regular basis. Can I get an amen? Because if you're just ingesting what the world has, it's not going to run properly. And, and, and your peace is going to start to leave, your joy is going to start to leave, and then you're filled with anxiety and you're trying to figure out what's going on. But the reality is if you've been taking things in that really aren't uh, feeding you, right? How I many you know it's easy to do in the, in the days that we live in, amen? It's easy to keep your mind filled with fluff, filled with entertainment and news. Those things are okay, but they don't feed you, amen? I mean, you can't live your life just on cookies. Can I get an amen? Much as we might want to, we can't. But, amen. Cookie monster, amen. <laughs> amen. Um, but, but so prosperity. So what is he talking about? It's talking about changing the way you think. Seeing things the way God sees things. How I many of you know what truth does? Truth comes and it says, the way you're looking at this is wrong. Look at it the way I look at it. Can I get an amen? How I many you know the, the only way you're really going to prosper in your soul is through humility and through the ability to receive correction? Because tr truth is not politically correct. Truth does not care what your feelings are. Tr truth does not look to please you. It looks to set you free. There's no such thing as relative truth. I spent a, a good portion of my younger days believing that truth was relative and subjective and all of those things. No, that's garbage. Truth is truth, and it's truth no matter how you feel about it. And right is right and wrong is wrong. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so you, you have to allow the truths of God's Word, inspired by the Spirit of God, to come into your life and to change the way you think. Amen. How I many of you know changing the way you think is not always easy or fun? And the two primary ways we need to change the way we think is, A, we need to change the way we think about God. We need to know that God is a God of love and that He loves us and He's for us. Because the enemy's always trying to deceive you and make you feel like God's mad at you. Because if you think God's mad at you, then you're not going to have confidence towards God. You have to fight against that lie. God is not mad at you. He's not disappointed in you. He loves you. He sees your end from the beginning, and he chose you knowing every mistake you would make and already paying for it on the cross. Your life is not A, B, C, D, E to God. God stands outside of time. Your, your, your life is like this, one of these paintings on the wall over here. He sees the entire mosaic, and he still chose you, <laughs> and he still paid for your sin. Can I get an Amen. And so he's not disappointed in you, even when you're disappointed in yourself. Okay? And, and, and so you need, to, you need to, that's one of the things you've got to hear truth on on a regular basis to, to, to have a clear perception of God. How many know if Adam and Eve had a clear perception of God, they would have never disobeyed him? You know why they disobeyed him? They, had a, they, they, had, they weren't have a clear perception. How did they not have a clear perception? Well, the devil said, God... But the devil made them feel like God was holding something back. God knows the day you eat this, you're going to be like him. So what does that do? It's a very subtle form of deception to put a question mark in their mind towards the goodness of God. Listen, you can't be tempted until you are questioning the goodness of God. That's straight from the Holy Spirit. Because I've never thought of that before in my life. Amen. I'm just the mail carrier. Amen. You can't be tempted until you question the goodness of God. Why do you seek pleasure that you're not supposed to have? Because you don't think God has enough pleasure for you. Come on, brother. That's true. It, I know it is. It, it's, the, it's the truth. And, and the, it, listen, God is enough for you. Yes, sir. 
And God has enough for you. How many of you know I'm content with such things I have, knowing he will never leave me nor forsake me? How many of you know this world is slanging covetousness like just everywhere? How does it do it? Social media. Well, if I had this, I'd be happy. If I had this kind of spouse, I'd be happy. If I had these kind of kids, I'd be happy. If I had this house, I'd be happy. If I had this body, I'd be happy. No, because once you got that, there'd be somebody with something better. And as long as covetousness is present, you will never be happy. Because you'll never be able to enjoy what you have. It is an absolute monkey wrench of the enemy to destroy people's lives. Godliness with contentment is great gain. When I am content with what God has given to me, and I am thankful for what He's given to me, and I'm happy, and I'm in that place of gratitude, how many know I'm enjoying my life? And how many know He can now bring more into my life because I'm not going to consume it through lust? See, that word lust shouldn't just have a sexual connotation. It's the word epithumia in the Greek, and it means to long after something which is not yours. If I'm trying to be happy through epithumia, then whatever I get, I'm never going to be satisfied. I'm never going to be satisfied, and I'll never actually enjoy myself. And God will, and what happens is the enemy will rob you of years of your life trying, trying to compare yourself to somebody else. Social media is great at slinging uh, covetousness. And, and we, we, we've got to take a stand against it, and we've got to trust that God's good enough to make us happy. Can I get an amen? amen? No, it doesn't mean God's not going to bring new things into your life. It doesn't mean God's not going to you know, bring a spouse into your life or, or bring a new child into your life or a new career or whatever, but, but you've got to get the lust out. You've got to get the epithumia out. You've got to get the covetousness out so that you can enjoy what God's bringing in so what God's bringing in does not become an idol to you. An idol, an idol always says it's going to save you. This is going to make you happy. Have you noticed that nothing new will make you happy? Seriously. I don't care what you get that's new. It's eventually going to have french fries on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, get a new phone. It's so nice. It's so, you know, eventually it's going to be pocket, it's going to be pocket lint on it. It's going to get old. New things can't make you happy. How many of you guys call it materialism? No, no, no. You've got to get the covetousness out that's born of the flesh in order to enjoy your life right now. It's not the new thing. It's not the new person. It's not the new place. It's get that lie out of your heart that God's holding something back from you because he's disappointed in you. Come on, brother. Come oh, my on. Lord God. Thank Jesus. I know, man. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because the, because the question is, is God good? And, and, and it might not be a question in the minds of, of many believers that are kind of in the vein that we're in, but the question is, is God going to be good to me? That's the question. Well, I've done this, I've done that, I haven't done this, I should have done that, but I didn't do that. Listen, folks, it's the goodness of God yeah, that's going to lead you to change. Come on, come on. What, what, what is soul prosperity? What is mind renewal? It's changing the way you think. That's what the word repentance means. It's the word metanoia, to just change your mind. It's not sackcloth and ashes and tears. It's change the way you think concerning this. The goodness of God will take you by the hand and lead you down the path of metanoia or the path of repentance, the path of changing the way you think, healing your mind from that disease called covetousness, jealousy, envy, all of those things that try to absolutely suck the life out of us. If you look at that word in the Greek, the word picture for the word lust 
It's epithumia. <laughs> and, it's, and, 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 and what it is, it, it's, a, it's a pining away. You know, if, if you take an apple tree and it's got an apple hanging off of it and you take a string and, you know, you, you tie it onto its life source and you start to strangle the life source out of it, I mean, all that apple's eventually going to wither up and die. That's what epithumia does. That's what covetousness does. It's the snares and the cares of this life that choke the fruit. Y'all tracking me? I mean, old Dan, you got to weed the garden if things are going to grow. You got to. You can't not weed the garden. Believe me, I've tried. I tried to grow six tomato plants when I was in full-time ministry without a paycheck and working 50 hours a week and taking a, a Greek class and in church four nights a week. I tried to grow six tomato plants during that period of time. I didn't weed anything. Nothing. I didn't have time. I barely had time to do anything. Nothing. <laughs> Except the things that I was doing. And I was helping pastor a church at the time. But I had no time to weed. You know, having the weeds overtook it. You know, at the end of the season, I had enough small tomatoes to make one very small bowl of salsa. <laughs> because if, I, if you don't remove the weeds, then the fruit's going to be choked. And your mind is like a garden. It's a soul. You know, your soul is a garden. Brian talks about this all the time. And, and, and when, when we have these cancerous thought processes that are trying to rob us of life that the world puts there, how I many of the world wants to make you think you can buy something to make yourself happy? That's what, all, that's what all marketing is. It's worldly. They don't give you what you need. They try to create want in you so that you'll buy it thinking it will satisfy that want, and it won't satisfy that want. It will grow that want. <clears throat> you ever notice they don't, they don't put like depressed people drinking Pepsi or Coke? <laughs> you know, they don't give you the real thing. You know what I'm saying? They don't give you that. They have someone's on there and they're just like, ha! You know, just and like even people like drinking alcohol and stuff like that. You know, <clears throat> when, you're, when you're watching like, you know, if you watch football or something like that, every other commercial is a beer commercial, you know. And, you know, I'm not saying alcohol is evil unto itself. People, there are people who can handle it, people that can't. Uh, the, the issue is not being drunk. Can I get an amen? I mean, Jesus turned the water into wine. So I, I'm not trying to walk down that road. But what I am saying is all these people who are doing they all are just like so happy and having the best time. I'm like, I used to drink all the time, and that wasn't my experience. <clears throat> you know, and, and it kind of bugs me because like I got my 16-year-old son sitting next to me, and it looks like, man, let the good times roll. It's all about Miller Lite and the high life. And I'm like, that is not the life that that produces. I've been there. It may start out like that, but it don't end up like that. And, and, and the, the, the world markets through covetousness. It's the spirit of this world. How I many know we have to be separated from that? Things can't make you happy. Step further. People can't make you happy. You can never put someone in the position of being your joy supplier. A human being is not created to make you happy. They can't do it. They're not, they're not geared that way. If anything that we try to put in that position, we make it an idol. How I many you know your, your, your kids can't make you happy? How I many know we, we got to be careful not to, to turn our kids into idols or our grandkids into idols? Amen. How I many know the Lord God, He's in the center? Can I get an amen? When He's first, when He's number one, everything else gets taken care of, but it's not placed in, in, in center stage. Can you get an amen? Jesus is the tree of life. He is the life-giving element, not a person, not a place, 
Not a thing. Can you get an amen? Kick covetousness to the curb. Be content with such things as you have, knowing I will never leave you nor forsake you. The reason that temptation, the doorway for temptation opens up is because we doubt the goodness of God. And, and our God is good. And so we have to, truth keeps that clear. God loves me. God's for me. I'm right with God. God's looking to bless me. Can I get an amen? On your good days and on your bad days. That's what renewing your mind to grace in the new covenant will do for you. Then the second thing you get to keep truth flowing through is who you are. Because the two primary ways he's going to try to deceive you is who God is, the next thing, who you are. I mean, there's a lot of attack on that. Well, you're, you know, you're just, you know, you're just this, and you know, you're just this, and you're just angry, or you're just depressed, or you're just, you're just, well, you, you're just, no, 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 cast all that aside. The Bible says that if any person be in, in Christ, is there anything wicked in Jesus? Where are you? In Jesus. Can I get an Amen. You're one spirit with the Lord. You are good. Now, as you acknowledge the good that he's placed within you, <coughs> your faith becomes effective and effectual. As Jesus is, so am I in this world. One of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible. Let your identity be squared firmly in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? And you got to keep truth flowing so that that continues to happen. Amen? And so we have to allow that truth to prosper our souls, our mind, our will, and our emotions so that we can experience those things in our life and we keep taking truth in. And um, let's turn to Psalm 42, please. <clears throat> and, you know, a lot of those things that I just told you, you probably already know. Maybe, maybe a couple things you didn't know, but most of what I just said you know. But how many know you still needed to hear it? Amen. How I many know you needed the water of the word to wash out a lie that primed to be lodged into your head that God wasn't for you or you weren't the person that uh, God made you to be? Can I get an amen? And so it's really, it's not so much about, you know, new revelation or new information. And certainly there are some, there are some things that came out right then that were dysfunctioned by the Spirit of God, totally. And so they came out in a unique way. But most of what it is, is just continuing to feed on the truth. How many know as you continue to feed on the truth, it's going to make you strong and it's going to change you, amen? And it's going to keep your mind renewed. But Psalm 42 and verse 11, it says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Now, here's somebody who's going through a mental challenge. Somebody who's going through a time when their soul is sad. Okay, they're, they're, they're being encompassed with that sorrow, right? Now, we've looked at two things already, but I'm going to spend the, the limited time that we have here with the rest of this time, and I'm going to take a look at this other element. It's going to help keep you in a place of mental health and bring you out of a place of darkness. Psalm 42, verse 11. Can we turn that fan off right here pretty please? Um, it says, Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. Now, hope is the place that God wants to restore to you to bring a sense of health to your mind. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? When sorrow tries to surround you, 
the first light that it tries to put out is the light of hope. Because when you don't have hope, that's when you're miserable. What is hope? Hope is saying, my tomorrow is going to be better than my today. My tomorrow is going to be better than my yesterday. Hope has vision. Hope has optimism. Hope says my future is good. Now, how many know you can't get a lot of hope from the news right now? <clears throat> I would encourage you not to set your hope on any politician. I would encourage you not to set your hope on any government. I would encourage you not to set your hope on any money. Set your hope on Jesus Christ, because that's where it's safe. Can I get an amen? And so, um, but we can, there is hope that we can bring into our life. Now, what hope is, um, is it's allowing us to see clearly. To see clearly. When someone is hopeless, they can't see beyond their now. Why does somebody commit suicide? <clears throat> because they can't see beyond the darkness of their right now. Why does someone you know, medicate themselves with, you know, drugs and alcohol and all of those things. Well, they're trying to escape from the right now. And so what, what, what hope does is it paints a clear picture of the good of your future. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Hope gets restored. Part of the restoration of hope is this. God has plans for your future. And they're good ones. To give you a future and a hope. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. See, God is setting you up always for good. Always. He's always setting you up. You know, I've had moments in my life that looked so hopeless. I've had moments in my life where I was just miserable. But I mean, oh, God was in my future around the corner with some good things. But and in order for me to get out of the valley, I got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. How I many you know the valley is not a place where you camp? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It says, yea, though I walk. See, depression is when you set up camp in the valley and say, this is where I live. This is my lot. This is who I am. You are not called to live in a valley. You've got to continue to put one foot in front of the other, continue to move forward. What causes you to continue to move forward? Hope. Hope says the valley doesn't last forever. Hope says there's a mountaintop in my future. Y'all ever had a valley that you were in that you didn't think you were ever going to get out of? And yet you got out of it, <clears throat> didn't you? And maybe, and maybe you have a valley right now that you're in. And see, each valley that you stand into, the enemy's like, <clears throat> this is the one. <laughs> this is the one you're never coming out of. It's never going to change. Whatever. I mean, oh, the devil is a liar and he's unable to tell the truth. So if he says this is the end and it's over, clearly it's not. 
Y'all tracking me here? But, but your part is to know that God has plans for your future. God has plans for you. Allow hope to arise. Put one foot in front of the other. Think about how miserable Moses could have been, 79 years old, 364 days old. I mean, Moses did not begin his ministry till he was 80. Not his first step in his ministry. <clears throat> he spent 40 years in the world, and then he tried to do the calling in his own strength and killed somebody. Praise God. I can be happy that I've never done that. Amen. I've made plenty of mistakes in ministry. I've never killed anybody. But he did. And then he spent 40 years living in the shadow of his own failure. And so 79 years old, 364 days old, <clears throat> Moses is about to step into one of the most radical callings that any human being has ever experienced. How many of Moses had a radical call? How many of Moses saw God move? Moses saw miracles. Moses saw stuff that no one had ever seen before. But he could have been really, really depressed at 79 years old, thinking that he had missed his calling. Thinking that he'd messed it up and God forgot about him. How I many you know he definitely felt that way? Because when God came to him and tried to talk him into doing what he was wanting to do, Moses tried to give every excuse in the world why he couldn't do it. But how I many you know Moses' failure didn't disqualify him from the call of God? How I many you know Moses' age didn't disqualify him from the call of God? Really important to understand that. There's no such thing as being too old to fill a, fulfill a call. And there's also no such thing as being too young. I mean, old Jeremiah the prophet was young, and he was like, I'm too young. And God's like, bro, it does not matter. How I many know God is not moved by age or any of those things? God's like, if, if you're going to walk with me, we're going to get it done. <clears throat> but it may not happen when you think it's going to happen, and it may not happen in the way that you think it's going to happen, but it's going to happen because I promised you that it would. I mean, you know, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. But Moses had an opportunity to grow very sad because of the valley that he was in. Because I guarantee you that for probably 40 years, Moses thought he messed this thing up. He just forgot about it. He said, man, I'm just going to go. I'm going to tend the sheep. But how many know God had a surprise for him? How many know God had a surprise for you? Oh, yes, he does. He has a surprise for you. He's going to surprise you with his kindness and with his goodness. And you're going to be standing there, and you're going to be like, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue was singing. You're going to have moments like that. You know why? Because your dad loves to give you gifts that are going to overwhelm you with his goodness. As a, as a father, I absolutely love to, 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 to give gifts to my kids and, and to my family. Just I love to surprise them. Like, I think the older you get, you're not as excited about receiving stuff as you are about giving stuff. Like when it's my birthday, or like I'm, I'm also, I mean, like it's, I'm thankful, but like I would much rather be the giver than the receiver. Just being honest with you, I mean, um, because there's a joy in making a child happy. You know, and you know, when they're young, it's easier to make them happy. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we get Eli some stickers or something. Oh, oh, stickers, you know. And I'm just drinking in 
his excitement and his joy. They mean way more to me than these little stickers do. And so if I as a father can enjoy my child's enjoyment, how much more your father in heaven enjoys surprising you with good things? But if we, if we camp in the valley and we stay there, we're not going to see the mountaintop. We got to keep putting our foot in front of the other, regardless of how we feel. And hope is what's going to carry you through those times. Hope is this, knowing that your future is bright. And then, you know, number two, Romans 5 5, and for sake of time, we have to turn there, but it says, Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. When you know that God loves you, hope arises. When you doubt God's love for you, that's when you doubt whether your future is going to be good. Y'all tracking me right now? How many know right now the devil's trying to kill hope through the news? Trying to kill it. Just absolutely kill it. I mean garbage. Turn them fools off. Shut them off and turn God on. I'm not kidding, man. I mean, like... It just, I mean, like each week they find something else to be worried about. Yeah. Oh, you're worried about this? Wait, there's more. <clears throat> you should actually be worrying about this and this and this and this too. And while you're at it, worry about that. Why? Because when you're worried, your, your fear causes you to scramble to hear what they're saying so you can somehow have some semblance of control. And you can't control what them idiots do. You know what I'm saying? You, you can't control the people in your house. You can barely control yourself. <laughs> cookie, 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 cookie. <laughs> you know who can control you? The Lord can. <laughs> Hallelujah. I take great happiness with that. The, the Bible says that he's able to subdue all things unto himself. That includes me. <laughs> Amen. And you know what subdues you more than anything else does? Love. Man, when you know how much he loves you, you're ready to do whatever he says. When you doubt that he loves you, that's when you're trying to find your own pleasure. And, and so, but knowing that he loves you restores hope. How's, how do we know that he loves us? Because of Jesus, right? And then knowing that he's in, your, he's in your future and he's got good things for you in your future. Can I get an Amen. That restores hope. And, and, and turn to Philippians chapter 1, and this is also a restore of hope. Because in order to be healthy mentally, there needs to be the presence of hope. If there's no hope, A, you don't see things the way they truly are. You've bought into some lies that God's not for you or God's mad at you or you're not good enough or you know the things that are going on in this world are too strong for God and you know, all this bunch of craziness. Hope is seeing things as they are. God loves you. God is for you. God is still on the throne. God's not giving up on this country. Can I get an amen? God's not giving up on America. You know, he's not. He still loves us. Amen? And he, he, and he loves the people that are, that are crazy, too. He loves those people, too. He wants to set those people free. Um, <clears throat> but re the restoration of hope brings forth mm, mental strength. Mental health. Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Here's the good news, folks. You don't got to finish this race on your own. Yeah. 
How many know God started this journey for you? We're all here because we met Jesus, right? You know? But like he started it, he going to finish it. He going to complete it. Because at, at the end of your life, that crown belongs at his feet. Can I get an amen? Because he started it and he finished it. What does that do, Jeremiah? It takes the pressure off of you. No matter how many wrong turns you've taken, God's still able to get you where you need to be. Amen? Wrong turns are factored into His grace and mercy. They are. They are. How do you know, Jeremiah? Because you can look at the guys and, and, and you can look at who, people whose stories are already written and how God will take their mess up and turn it into blessing. Look at King David. King David's most shameful moment produced Solomon. Like the worst thing this dude ever did, which would have landed him in prison by today's standards. God said, here, let me show you how good I am. Solomon. The guy that's going to sit on your throne and who's actually going to increase the empire way farther than you ever did is going to come out of the product of your mistake. Isn't that amazing? That's how awesome God is. God's like, a lot of times we don't see the bigness and the majesty of God until we take, see God take somebody's mistake and turn it around for, for good. Amen? Now, we don't, want to, we don't encourage those mistakes. We don't encourage doing dumb stuff. We don't do that. But we do say this, that no matter what the enemy has managed to get into your life, what God has managed to get into your life is bigger and greater. Can I get an amen? And then, how I many know oh, God became glorified? And you know what it did for David? It humbled him, afresh and anew. Like, God, you are so good. How I many you know when you experience good, when you deserve bad, it's life-changing? Because you find out about the goodness of God. Can I get an amen? Yes, so God's going to be with you, and he's going to walk you through it. And then Romans 8, 28, and I've talked about this a little bit. It says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And so, once again, God is, is able to take, no matter how many wrong turns you've had, God can still turn it for good. God can still redeem it. Amen. You know, Moses killing a man at the start of, you know, when his ministry was about to start. How many know it didn't disqualify him? It brought redemption. How many know it brings hope for us? I love to see those guys' mistakes. Peter denied the Lord three times of swearing and cussing after spending three and a half years with him. <coughs> that encourages me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, it really does. David, the mistakes that he made, that encourages me. God doesn't just pick perfect people. He picks people that need a Savior. And he said, here, watch, I'm going to be amazing. And you're an earthen vessel and you're going to make mistakes, but the treasure is going to be based off of me and not off of you. How I many know I'm very comfortable with that? Let him have all the glory, amen, because he deserves it, right? But all of these truths, what do they bring to you? Hope. Hope. God has a bright future for you. Can I get an amen? God has a bright future for your family. And don't allow the enemy to steal hope. For, how many you know hope deferred makes the heart sick? Hope deferred brings illness into the mind. Right? And here's the thing. Not everything's going to work out the way you thought it was going to work out. And, and, and you know what? There are going to be questions that aren't going to be able to be answered on this side of heaven. I believe that. There's a time in my life where I thought I had everything figured out and I could always have the right, I could always blame somebody. Usually what we would do, we would blame someone for not having enough faith. We just blame them. Oh, you're kicked and you're broken and you're down. Well, clearly it's your fault. <laughs> 
<laughs> Worst form of comfort in the world. You know, because we had arrived because we weren't going to blame God because our theology was too good for that, but we're just going to blame everybody else. But I'm here to tell you right now that there's more going on than just the decisions that you have made. How many other decisions of your ancestors? This, some about your father and your mother and decisions around you. How many of you are better off just blaming the devil? When you don't understand something, you don't understand what's going on, don't look to find all this fault with you or find fault with those around you. Just blame the devil, and God will explain it all to you once you get to the other side. Can I get an amen? There are some questions that aren't going to be answered. And so when things don't happen the way that you think they should do, don't allow hope to become deferred. Cast that thing off and allow hope to arise in your hearts afresh and anew. Why? Because God loves you. He's got a plan for you. He's got surprises for you. The work that he started in your life, he's going to finish it. And even your mistakes are going to work together for good because that's how big and awesome God is. Amen. Hope restored. Hope is a key element of mental health. And the final place that we go, Isaiah 40 and verse 31, it says, And those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. When, you're, when, your hope, when your hope is in the Lord, not your hope is in the world, not your hope is in politicians, not your hope is in anything else, but when your hope is in the Lord, there is a strength renewal that happens inside of you. And that strength has the ability to carry you straight out of that valley. You know what? One of the reasons why I didn't stay in depression when it tried to come back? Because I've seen God be faithful to me in the past. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? How many know when, when, when David ran towards Goliath, he'd already slayed the lion and the bear? He already knew. He said, I killed a lion and a bear, and I'm a kid. I ain't fighting alone. I have a covenant with this God. And the same God that delivered the lion and the bear into my hands is going to deliver Goliath into my hands. You guys have victories under your belt where you've seen the faithfulness of God. Yes, you do. You pull them things out and remind yourself that this valley that you're walking through is not an eternal valley. It don't last forever. This giant that's standing before you, how many of y'all, this giant's going to fall. But allow that hope to allow you to put one foot in front of the other and walk out the valley and slay the giant. Can't get an amen. Don't allow hopelessness to invade your heart and your life and bring a sense of illness to your mind. Y'all tracking me with that today? And we're going to pray. I feel very led to pray, okay? Praying for everybody here, praying for everybody that's watching online. Father, in Jesus' name, I just take authority over hopelessness. Hopelessness, I speak to you. I command you to be rooted out of their minds, out of their hearts, severed completely off of their lives. And Lord, I just speak to the Christ in them. Let hope arise. Let God arise and His enemies be scattered. Let them see that there are more for us than there are against us. Open their eyes to the true numbers, the true majority. We are not the minority when the Lord is standing with us. We are standing with the Lord. And I thank you, Father, that you would reveal to them that they're not alone, they're not by themselves. 
that you are standing with them. And Lord, we just we cast out all darkness and we cast out all hopelessness in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you for the seeds of hope that have been planted today through these words, through these words which are spirit in our life, <clears throat> your words, that those seeds would grow up big and mighty and strong. And Lord, they would become hopeful and optimistic and excited and mentally healthy in this area of their life, Father. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, A, don't think it's strange to the, the thing that you're going through. B, don't, don't seclude yourself and isolate yourself. And B, allow, or C, allow the love of God to restore hope. Amen? And uh, talking about healing our minds. Amen? Talking about mental health. Hallelujah. We've all been through a tough season, but how many know every battle has an expiration date? It's not, a, it's not forever, man. There's no forever battles in the kingdom. None. The only thing that is forever is our God's kingdom. Amen? Awesome. Well, if you need to give an alt